Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. So I'm checking out my neighborhood. So this is right outside of my house. And seeing what's going on, again, this whole thing of face validity, which you're going to get very familiar with during this episode. But it's really important. It's what's happening around you. Um, There's some banging up there. My neighbor is doing a little bit of construction on his place up there. Um, one of my other neighbors just, just walked down the street right there, but, but yeah, you know, let's take a little bit of a, of a walk here and, you know, join me. We're going to get through a little part of my neighborhood and just get into the observing mode, situational awareness. So, um, I'm going through and what I've noticed today is a lot of people have been outside doing walks, uh, whether it's, you know, kids, adults, uh, people out on bikes, obviously some construction going on. So a whole bunch of different stuff that is, that is happening. Um, so yeah, this, this is, um, this is significantly different than it was just a, a week ago. Um, have a neighbor, you know, back, back here who is, um, doing some stuff with their, the raking, and I think people just want to get out too. But uh, but the whole vibe of things, you know, it's just is significantly different than it was just a few just a few days ago. So here, when I'm going face validity, when I'm going through my neighborhood and and really taking inventory of what's going on, um, things have improved significantly in a week. Now again, you know, the global scene at a national scene. Um, yeah, we've had a whole you know, California lockdown, um, you know, lockdown in New York, but, you know, right outside, right here, um, things haven't changed much. So, all right, everybody, and an update here from the Safety Doc podcast. It is Saturday, March 21st, 2020, here in southern Wisconsin, and we're going to talk about a few things today, and I think I've got my, my note card out here. All right, first of all, thanks for watching the shows. Please share them. We've had, um, you know, some fast developing stuff with the coronavirus, some live streams, and this show's more grounded, okay? There isn't that sense of panic and, and kind of the skies falling in this show. What we're going to do is go around my community and check in at a few spots and do something which is called face validity. Okay, face validity is just a simple term from research. And basically, if something um, doesn't look right, if it doesn't seem right, just kind of off off your initial appearance, right? This doesn't seem right. Um, this is, you know, this beach should be packed. This doesn't seem right. What's, what's wrong with this face validity? Now what I'll tell you is it's March in Wisconsin, and there's still some ice still out there. So yeah, this beach actually looks the way that it should for this time of year. But let's say this was, you know, the middle of July. We're out here, sunny day and things like this. Face validity would tell you something's wrong, something's not right. And that's something we're going to do today. We're going to go to some different places and, and just check with face validity. What are we seeing? Are we seeing completely packed, overwhelmed stores? Are we seeing a military buildup at our National Guard? Are we seeing the hospital parking lots flooded? Those types of things. So we're gonna do a little face validity. When you check with people you know and get updates on the coronavirus, because it's, it's you know, we're supposed to stay indoors. If you're California, it's a lockdown. New York, it's a lockdown. But really, the term is shelter in place, not lockdown, but that's the term they've been using. So you shelter in place. That's, that's what you need to do. Um, so actually right here, we can hear him back me. There's a, there's a train coming through right now, but yeah. So what I encourage you to do, because there's a lot of hysteria, a lot of panic, a lot of anxiety, especially your relatives, um, maybe some of your older relatives, but just some people, they, they have a hard time when we go from our tourists, our self-similarity of maybe two, three weeks ago, 
to this moment of, of chaos, right? Where suddenly everything is shutting down, um, states are issuing shelter in place, things like that. People pull into the grocery store and, and you know, parking lots already full, a lot of stuff is off the, off the shelves. People panic. Um, and they get out here in, in this place that's outside of their bagel, okay, their self-similarity every day kind of things are, are the same. They get out here and it's, it's really um, nerve-wracking, it's terrifying. Now if you embrace it and you say we're out here, you know, we're actually still kind of, we're out here, right? We're still under all of these conditions right now, but it's different. We've established a new self-similarity out here and that happens. You only stay in chaos for so long and that's the part, you know, we have to get through to people is we only stay in chaos so long. Then we adjust to it and it becomes kind of our self-similarity. So even when all of this is done, I mean, like we said, there's things that will probably never return to what they were like three weeks ago. I mean, there could be things like there'll never be a self-serve buffet again. There might be, you know, uh, completely different sanitizing procedures if you're going to go to an arena and, you know, things like this. Who knows? Um, but anyway, face validity. We're going to go and just check on a few places. Now, of course, social distancing, yes. And this isn't something you probably need to do every day, but it's, it's a good way to check what's happening. And then ask the people that you know, people you trust, okay, people who are your friends who live in different parts of the country, and say, hey, what is, what is happening? What's different today than yesterday or the day before? What are you seeing? Um, actually, what are you seeing and experiencing, which we'll, which we'll do right now. Not what you're hearing on the news, because that's something totally different, right? Not what other people are telling you. Um, it's actually authentically what you're experiencing. So something I want to talk about, too, is the velocity of information. The velocity of information basically is after something happens, typically an event, we have all this massive information coming toward us that we have to process. Like 9-11 was an example. The bombing of the Mirror Tower, Towers was an example. These are, these are events, but those events all concluded, right? They happened and then they were done. We're in the midst of an event which is developing, but it's very similar in velocity of information. We have a whole bunch of information coming at us at crazy speeds. This was very evident on the nightly news, um, unless you're in a major, major market, the, the news um, broadcasters had a hard time um, reading the teleprompters, understanding what they were they were talking about, how to set up interviews. Like we didn't see until you know maybe just a day or two ago where they're going out and interviewing people in, in schools, um, interviewing parents. How is this affecting you and uh, with your kids being at home, schools being closed, stuff like that. So the velocity of information is very hard to deal with, and it's very hard to get validity because. Things skyrocket. People will say the state borders are closed, the county borders are closed, all of these things. Like people are coming down the roads. Well, no, it doesn't amplify to that. It doesn't get to that level. So it's completely different. So we got we've got velocity of information, we have face validity, those two type of things change. We also talked, we had a Taurus, we had chaos, but here's here's a couple other things with face validity. So postal delivery. Postal delivery hasn't changed. Our postal carrier comes up to our door without gloves on the hands, puts a mailbox, opens up the mailbox, gets the mail, closes the mailbox, goes on to the next place. So we haven't seen significant changes in postal delivery. And that's also very important just as face validity. Um, that stayed very similar, right? That self-similarity, that hasn't changed for us. We're still getting our mail that hasn't changed. We're still at a very similar pace with that. So that would be something to also watch. Suddenly if your mail delivery starts to change um, and maybe the mail carriers say we're going to bring your mail but it's all your mail is going to be put in a bag and then you know we'll, we'll drop it off by your door or by your lawn or wherever you live. I don't know how it works but um, where they're reducing the contact with the mail. If you see mail carriers in like a hazmat type thing or wearing gloves. I mean, that would be a change in status. That'd be something you'd want to communicate out. So, you know, the mail came around today and they were delivering stuff, but um, you know, it's it was different. Like they were doing this and I saw that they had, they had gloves on. So yeah, those are type of things you don't want to watch for. 
that would indicate something else has changed. That's face validity, right? Now we also, we also see some real interesting kind of inconsistencies right now as people try to figure out what to do. You go to these drive-through cl um, clinics to get tested, right? Where they got a tent and you go through and everybody is all, you know, done up with the formal protective gear and then they change out after the next car comes in and all of this stuff. Um, but then there's nothing from stopping those cars to like going in the parking lot at Walmart and then shopping, right? <laughs> then they get right out of the car and then they, they just open, um, they go in and grab a shopping cart with their bare hands and, and start going around and touching items. So we also see these really strange inconsistencies on the news and start paying attention to these. So one thing I picked up right away on is they started to have the drive-throughs that they were showing on the six o'clock news, right? You drive through to get tested. And then um, in the next you know, clip right after commercial, they would show, and here's a local school district providing you know, bagged lunches and breakfast for kids. And somebody would come out from the district, right? They would all be assembling you know, bags for uh, food for kids. They would come out and they would have a glove on and they would, they would hand this to a parent, you know, would drive up in a car, roll down the window, and they would hand it in. And, but then they didn't take the glove off. Um, they would come back and they would grab the next one. So that doesn't, that's not a protective measure, right? <laughs> it protects you from, from possibly being contaminated. But if you're, you know, handing something into a vehicle, you know, so you're crossing into the, 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 the zone where there could be, you know, contamination, um, you'd have to actually, treat that at a much higher level, right? You'd have to wear protective gear. Maybe you could put something on a table and then someone would have to get out of their vehicle, retrieve it, and then you'd have to spray down the table afterwards. I'm just saying, if we were consistent across the board on how this is being treated, we would see these types of things and not all of these type of exceptions in the system. So we've just talked about a few right there. You know, the, the drive-throughs, which everybody is kind of hazmatted up and it's real intimidating to look at, especially when you see it all the time on the news. But then you're seeing plenty of news clips from local news stations about, you know, parents getting food for their, their kids and, um, you know, driving, driving through and, you know, picking up things from school. And, and there really aren't the protective measures. They're not there. And just somebody wearing a glove and they're not changing it and coming up to a vehicle and then the next vehicle and the next vehicle, well, of course, you know, if there was something that was a virus, um, that would easily be moved from vehicle to vehicle via, via this one person. Um, and then, of course, you know, the mail, right? If our mail delivery hasn't changed, if the way that our, we're getting our mail hasn't changed, that's also something to watch. So what am I trying to say by all of that? Is that, is that a conspiracy? Um, or something like that. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Um, I'm saying this is rapidly developing, right? This is rapidly developing. So um, the best way to get information when something is rapidly developing is it needs to settle down for like 72 hours, right? And it kind of has. I mean, we're not getting any major, major announcements. Um, you know, like the NBA is closed, the NCAA, um, you know, non-essential stores are closed. Okay, we've absorbed those. Um, the next thing that would probably be significant would be like, you know, if the airline's closed, but airline traffic is pretty much gone down to almost nothing right now anyways. So I think all of the big things have kind of have kind of hit us for the time being. Now it's a matter of like, how long would we be, be at this state? But again, um, you know, face validity, face validity. This, this will be crazy on the news um, you know, for the foreseeable future. And if you're only tuning in to the news to get your information, and I've talked to so many people who have done this, um, they've said to me, well, Dave, you know, they're, they're close to a vaccine. Well, how'd you hear about that? Well, it was on whatever news. I'm like, well, you know, of course the news is made for the masses and it's generalized and it's filtered or unfiltered. And that's not science. And it's also not face validity. And, um, you know, other people saying, they're closing down certain things or setting up, you know, triage tents in certain locations, which they could be like, but then verify it with face validity. That doesn't mean if there, there is a, a high risk, there's, there's an outbreak in your community that you want to go there and you want to start filming that. I mean, if you drive by and if, if I would have seen those things, I'd be like, whoa, this is, this is where, we're, where we're at. Then I also know kind of how my Taurus is, my self-similarity. I'm going to stay closer to home, keep my family closer to home. Um, 
be very careful on how I'm obtaining my, my information, how I'm getting validity. So a few things I talked about this already, um, but make sure you got a, you've got a network of, of people that you can uh, contact, that you can text. I don't think like an email, like a long email. You don't want to tie people up in, into that, like a text, a message or something like that. And just, you know, in a sentence or two, what's different? What is, what is different today than, than yesterday? And as people go out, pay attention, do this face validity check, right? Do the face validity check. And that's gonna tell you a lot, at least about how people are perceiving and people are selling into a Taurus. People are less panicked. Uh, people have processed, people have absorbed. So um, you know, these, are, these are all good things. Even if this takes a long time, even if there's more bad news and whatever comes out of this, people have adjusted pretty fast into this, this new self-similarity of Taurus. So, I'm gonna wrap it up with that and then we're gonna get out and about. We're gonna check out some places. And so if you're watching this, it's gonna you know, obviously um, have different content than if you're listening to it. I will narrate as I go out to the different places, but yeah, so you wanna check out the video. A few things about me. The safety doc, Dr. David Proden. Uh, check out safetyphd.com. Safetyphd.com, my book, School of Airs, Rethinking School Safety in America. Check that out. You can buy it off of Amazon. You've got a lot of time to read now, right? But I talk about the Taurus, self-similarity, transitioning to chaos, kind of how 9-11, um, how that disaster unfolded from a psychological perspective, how it took about two weeks. That was an, after it was done for things to kind of return to a similarity. Football games start up, comedians start um, presenting again, things like that in, in society. So there's a lot to be learned. Um, from that. But again, safetyphd.com. Subscribe to the Safety Doc podcast. Check out the podcast, um, 122 episodes and, and counting. They're each about an hour long. There's a blog post that goes with them. A lot of experts, people um, who've been on, on the show, all, all kinds of areas. So check out the Safety Doc podcast. Subscribe on Podbean and, and yeah. So I appreciate doing this. It, it's actually it's a completely beautiful day um, out here. Uh, there's some kids who just went by on their their bikes, um, you know. So from that standpoint, I mean, everybody, everything seems to have a much uh, more settled feel, a more dampened feel. Not not a not a dark feel, but again, with this is a sunny day, we just had some rain and things like that, so people are glad to be out. And actually, down the road here, we've got a number of people who are assembled for fishing. They got their gear. They're gonna be doing a little fishing here. So um, again, you know, people are out. Um, there's not a lot of activity going on, but people are getting out here. So this hospital is about 10 years old. It's in my town. It's built on a huge campus that goes way back. This is where people would show up for uh, appointments and things like that. You can tell the entire parking lot is empty. So what they've done is they've actually put all of the cars in back, which I think is they're workers. Um, but again, this whole area is empty and we haven't seen people coming in and out of here. So um, that's what we talked about, face validity. Go out and check some of the places. So in back of me, that's where all of the cars, I'm assuming most of the workers are parked. So you can see that the hospital goes all the way in the back. But again, this whole front parking lot is pretty much empty today. All right, right there in back of me, that's our high school. And how this would actually work during a pandemic situation is if they needed space, they would go back and they would take over the high school, whether that would be for Beds, you know, FEMA came in and the National Guard, whether it would be for staging assets, uh, resources, equipment, and free up some things here at the hospital. But we really haven't seen any activity over here at our high school. What they have here is a sign respiratory care clinic. And then if we look up there, there's another one, respiratory care clinic, and then this would be the entrance. So this typically isn't the entrance to the hospital. This is the therapy side of things um, so but let's take a look at the road right here how many vehicles do we have on the road so as we look we don't really have vehicles out on out on the road 
and then look down here. This is the parking lot for our grocery store. You can tell, you know, maybe a third full right now. That restaurant, that pizza ranch is shut down. Um, but the grocery store, you know, in the middle of a weekend day, parking lot is about at a third capacity. So things are starting to roll back into a self-similarity or kind of a normal, a Taurus is what we've talked about. And we get rocketed out here in chaos and the parking lots fill up and all of this fills up and now we're a few days into things and people settle in they've got all the stuff that they need um, things start to return to some kind of normal even though it's far from normal right now right now in the walmart is any type of like drive-through place that you can get checked for coronavirus um, actually to do that here would be pretty complicated because there aren't a lot of good ways in and out. This would really shut down basically the Walmart if you're trying to shop there. So if they were to do it here in my community, they'd have to do that someplace else. But let's just pause for a second as a face validity. People ask you how things are going in your community right now. If you get out and you check all the different places, well, right, most things are coming back in stock right now. Um, so yeah, this, this is what you want to be telling people. You don't want to be telling them, well, we heard on the news, this is happening, and this is happening, and this is happening. You want to actually authentically get out and validate. It's called face validity of what's happening in your community. Not to the point where you're going to put yourself at risk. We're out here, so this is social distancing, everything is fine. But again, you know, this, this tells me a lot of how people are perceiving things right now. That they've settled back into that self-similarity or their Taurus. Even though it's a time of chaos, people find the self-similarity. And that is a really good thing. So traffic has slowed down quite a bit. And back me is one of our main strips through town. Um, you know, cars are going back and forth. This is a the weekend and the businesses the lots are largely empty but it's not nearly a standstill right here either but certainly things people are staying inside today but yeah fair number of cars driving driving through and back me is the National Guard in my community the armory and a few more vehicles there today, but definitely the parking lot is basically empty. And that's different than a week ago when this uh, kind of all started here with the coronavirus and the news coming out. So definitely a, a quieter presence, a few more military vehicles in the parking lot, but uh, the gates are open to get in. The gates were actually closed um, when I came past here last week. There was more activity, more stuff out here. There's actually a runway right here where you can land helicopters, you can bring in some planes. It's pretty quiet right now. Actually, I've seen this much busier at different times of the year, just for probably regular trainings and things like that. So, extremely quiet here at the National Guard. Here is an elementary school in my hometown. And it's pretty quiet right now, and it's going to be that way for quite a while because this school is closed, as all the other schools in the state, due to the coronavirus. And you can even check out here in the parking lot that uh, staff aren't here on the weekend uh, doing things. So let's go a little bit closer. There's a sign on the door that we want to check out. So schools closed here uh, last week. Today is... Uh, March 21st and what they did is they suspended school and said uh, we're not going to have school for basically three weeks but the likelihood is there'll be the formal announcement to close the schools for the remainder of the year but the reason you suspend school for a few weeks is it's easier for people then to transition from that uh, psychologically to saying, hey, it's closed for the, the year. Yeah, it's pretty drastic information to get right off the bat. Um, so let's walk up here and we are going to actually be greeted uh, by Olaf and his wife. Um, these are some of the things 
that are done to make bollards look more appealing. And just stopping right here, these two bollards uh, were put in with grant dollars um, to keep a vehicle from plowing through the front of the doors. Again, while it would actually uh, work, probably, you know, it's not the way schools are attacked. These things probably weren't needed, but that's for another day. Let's keep going forward. Hi there, Olaf. Um, by the way, I didn't know Olaf was married, but um, right here on the door, school closed indefinitely. During this time, schools will be deep cleaned amid coronavirus concerns. So that's all over the district, the same type of sign in the doors uh, that everything is, is closed up. All right, with my good friend Olaf and his wife, I feel like I've somehow stepped into the movie Frozen 2. Although this one has a very interesting twist because apparently schools are closed for the rest of the year and not because of a blizzard and everything freezing over, but actually, of course, because of the coronavirus outbreak. Hi everybody, this is Dr. David Proden. Well, I was out in my town today doing a little face validity checking on what's actually happening. So yeah, we're back. Um, it is March 21st, 2020, and that's a Saturday. So a solid week since the coronavirus news has really sunk in across the country. A um, couple days since we've had the shelter-in-place orders for California and then New York. So I wanted to get out and to see what was happening in my community. So, you know, the video, that was my camcorder. And actually, it was my youngest daughter who was filming. So, you know, things weren't exactly perfectly set up, but it does give a good sample of, of what's happening here in Portage, Wisconsin. So where I'm located, um, that is about 40 minutes north of Madison, Wisconsin, our capital. So it's a town of 10,000 people. Uh, we're right along the interstate. So um, a few observations. One, things today are definitely less um, hectic than they were a week ago. Um, less people at stores, right? Um, there is definitely less anxiety with people, even though in the last week we've absorbed some pretty significant news as a society, you know, um, shutting down hair salons, restaurants have gone to take out the fact that a lot of schools are, and universities are saying it's going to be completely online in spring, um, could be summer also, who knows what's going to happen in fall and all of that. But um, I'm going to do a recap right now of just my experiences today and why it's so important for you to have a network of people who can do kind of what I did in this video, right? I'm not going to go out every day and produce a video saying this is what's happening in my area and get it out there for people. Um, this is... This is something rare. I wanted to do this um, to demonstrate what face validity is. And it, it's a very, very important term, an uh, important concept. Um, but it, again, it's one where we can quickly lose touch with things if we just dig into what is being presented on the media. And I'm also, I'm not saying that what the media is presenting is necessarily false, right? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's very specific to a region where they are in. So if they're reporting, it's it's one area, right? There's some positionality of what will be reported, what won't be reported. Um, the, the information can get old very quickly unless it's live information. So if it's recorded, it has to go back to the studio, it has to be produced, so maybe it comes out, you know, several hours later. Uh, so, you know, it's it's... Again, and what is the news? The news is made up of 30 minutes of story after story after story after story. You know, like a long story on the news, um, you know, might be two minutes. Like that actually would be a very long story. So what I did is, you know, I immersed myself within the environment. And that's actually something that is part of research. 
um, immersing yourself within the environment. Now there's something, there's a factor called positionality of if you put yourself into the environment. Like if I'm going to watch somebody do their job and, and so I sit next to them and they're trying to do their job, they're going to be like, why is this person, you know, watching me or okay, I agree to this, but this is awkward. And so they might change their behavior. But what I did today, there's no positionality in this at all. Me going out into the environment, places that I would normally go to, my being in the environment did not change the environment at all. It didn't change how people reacted to me, um, how they interacted with each other just because I was out with a, with a camera. Um, and I wasn't interviewing anybody today. I was, you know, obviously keeping my distance if there were um, a couple people doing things because, you know, who wants to, <laughs> who wants to do something when some guy's walking around with a camera? Like that would, that would be kind of awkward. So, um, but yes, so think about it. Think seriously about who the friends, who your friends are um, in different parts of the country. Okay. And look through your phone, look through your email contacts and just think, who's somebody who can give me an authentic representation of what's happening out there? Just like I did right now with this video clip, right? And even that has some positionality because it's my positionality. It's places that I thought I should go to that would give a pretty good gauge of what's happening here in my community, you know, such as the National Guard, the hospital, the Walmart, the grocery store, the main grocery store, um, that I get a, a pretty good feel for what was going on. I mean, yeah, I could have obviously sampled more places, could have gone to the police station, the fire department, things like that. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I, I got a pretty good sample. And that's the thing, too. I mean, if you sample four or five places in your community that are different, you're going to have a pretty good representation of what's of what's going on. And this was a Saturday, right? Today's a Saturday. So Saturday is typically a pretty busy day. And it would be a day that people, um, you know, would be off work, you know, if they worked uh, Monday through Friday. So, so if anything, um, you know, I went on a day when I would expect things to be a little bit busier. And I was I was pretty surprised at a few things. So here's what caught me by by surprise. Um, the number of people who were out, um, I thought, you know, walking, walking, yeah, but not people who would like go out, maybe fishing, seeing a lot of people biking. Um, I didn't expect, you know, to see that. I thought it would be a little busier at the stores because it is a weekend, right? And even if people bought stuff, during the whole rush of, you know, the last 10 days to get things, now the stores are pretty restocked. So, I'd, you know, it would make sense if people couldn't get things, um, their canned goods, whatever, you know, five days ago that they would go today because the stores um, might have those things back. So, but I didn't see it. Like I saw the Walmart parking lot in the grocery parking lot, you know, maybe between 30 and, you know, 35% full. Um, so to me, that, that conveys a, that message to face validity. That's something I would want to share with somebody, um, in my, in my network here. And I will share that out tonight that this is, this is, you know, what, what I experienced. So the big difference though, right between face validity and, and media can, can be extreme because if I turned on the news tonight, which I did, um, you know, the news is reporting some pretty, well, drastic national, you know, headlines and, and things going down, um, you know. But um, as far as local news, you know, they're finding the stories that are, that are you know, going to grab headlines and grab attention. And that's just part of the purpose of the, the news, too, during times like this. Um, not that the news locally was inappropriately ramping up, you know, the hype and fear and things, you know, like that. But, um, you know, there, there are obvious things. If you're very, very observant with face validity, that can, can kind of tell you where the, the, um, I, I guess how things are resonating, right? Um, if they're resonating at a low pitch, kind of like right now, or if they're resonating like at a wild sinusoidal, um, image as they were, you know, a week to 10 days ago. Um, so again, some things that, that really stand out for me on the news is watching the news 
focus in on here's um, uh, medical workers going into work. They they go through the tent, the drive-through tent. They get tested for coronavirus, and then they can enter the facility. I don't know. They must have some expedited testing or whatever. Um, and then the next story is handing you know a, a school or a community site that's handing out food to people. So they're like, you know, here's a breakfast and a lunch and a bag. So you watch it carefully. The first scene where these people are, are entering a hospital, you know, hospital workers and are being tested and they're going through this big tent and they're focus- the media is focusing on the person in the whole protective gear um, with the face shield and, and everything. And um, okay, so that's one thing. And then the next story is this community uh, distribution of, you know, food and, and, you know, personal care items and things like that. And it's basically just like an empty, it's just a bag, right? That um, somebody has a glove, they know they, and like a, you know, a rubber glove, vinyl or plastic glove, whatever. They're handing it off into through someone's car window. Here it is. Here's, here's your stuff. And they're having some, you know, small discourse. And then the next car pulls in, but they're not taking the glove off, right? And they're not in protective gear. Um, and then they go back and then they're kind of huddled together in, so you, you see these types of things. And even we, we did, so get this story. So we did drive through um, yesterday and this was different for the, the restaurant that we went to because they typically do sit down seating. And so we, go, we do the drive through and the person comes out with our order, comes up to the, the window of the car and she's wearing gloves, right? But no protective gear, just like gloves. So she has her bag and then um, gives it to me. And I, I look at it right away and I'm like, that bag's too small for everything that we ordered. Like there's stuff still back in the kitchen. So is this part of it? Is the rest coming out? So I get the bag. I open up the bag and I look in and quickly I'm identifying. I'm like, this isn't my order. Like this is somebody else's order. So I give it, I, I before she is able to turn around and, and leave. I say, Oh, excuse me. Like this, this isn't my order. And then I had it actually written down on an index card, what I, what I ordered. Um, and she said, Oh, I'm so sorry. Right. Your order is going to be coming out, but here's what, here's the next thing to happen. So she took the items back from me and she went to the vehicle in back of us. Okay. It was a truck. And, uh, I could see in my mirror, that she goes to the truck, approaches the window, and she holds up the bag. And I'm assuming what she said is, "I this is your order, not his. And in a moment, boom, like the truck, they took the, whoever was in, you know, took took this bag instead of saying, oh my goodness, like, you know, somebody else touched that, you know, could you please make it over and give us, um, you know, g- give us something new. Or um, they took it and they left. So right there, is this extreme fatigue and protective processes and measures. Now, not to be hypercritical on that, because this is a new normal for everybody. Like, how do we really do this? Like, what will that system look like a week from now? Will that evolve to a system where the food will be brought out and it'll be set like on a table? And then once it's out there, um, you know, the worker would distance themselves and then the person would, you know, come out of their car and, you know, pick it up off the table and then go back into their car. And then the worker would come back out as when that was done, um, wipe down the table, you know, with sanitize the table. And then it would start all over again. And then, if, of course, um, you know, we'd have to have the worker changing gloves, at least with with every order, you know, kind of kind of coming in and out. But. So these types of things, I think, will will rapidly evolve, like, um, and they'll also standardize. Like, I think that process of what I just described will probably be probably be what you'll see for schools uh, making lunches available for families. Um, and, and you know, breakfast, however that works, it's not going to be where they're going to a car and handing something in and out because obviously. From a face validity standpoint, that completely would compromise keeping yourself safe from um, the coronavirus, right? 
that wouldn't at all make sense to to do that. So just some things like that to pay attention to. Now I talked about um, postal delivery and um, I don't know, I've talked to a lot of people about postal delivery because I think what to watch right now, um, you know, when you're, when you're saying face validity, what's happening in my environment. So our postal service hasn't changed at all. The postal carrier stops our post, our mailbox is right on our house. So they have to walk right up to our house. It's a metal mailbox. Um, so they lift the lid, put the mail in, or they take the mail out, you know, and go back to the little mail truck. So the thing is, like, that happens throughout our whole neighborhood, right? I, I watched the mail carrier and no protective gear. So, you know, whatever is happening at the post office of, you know, packages intermingling with each other and where they've come from um, to the postal carrier, you know, touching the mailbox. And then, of course, you know, I might have had touched the mailbox. I mean, you could have sneezed on the mailbox, whatever, um, right before that, but no protective gear. And then, you know, that mail carrier is putting hands on the steering wheel, touching up the, the, the vehicle, going to the next house, going to the next house. So we can see, again, all of these fatigued systems from a face validity. And that also, though, tells me something. So I've, I've shared that with people, um, you know, in my network of face validity. And I said, the Postal Service hasn't changed yet, at least not from where we would perceive it. It's not that it's fewer days, so there can be more time spent sanitizing the postal facilities. Um, you know, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen carriers um, change what they're doing. You know, for example, yep, using gloves. And I think if they, they you know, did that, um, I, I think that would be a, a logical step, right? If, if you're going out and you're interacting um, in these different environments as a postal carrier, that, that, would, that would be the requirement. I mean, you're not going to need the protective you know, face gear and things like that, but th there should be some gloves, right, that you're, that you're wearing or some different process that postal um, would go to for some amount of time, which would limit the, the interaction um, between uh, residents and the postal carrier. So I've told people, watch that, because if that changes, you know, if your postal carrier suddenly is only showing up two or three days a week and has on like the, the yellow hazmat type thing, and then, um, you know, like a mask and gloves, um, you know, that definitely would indicate to me that there's a, an elevated risk um, awareness in our local, you know, government and also maybe federal government of, of, you know, where the coronavirus is at. So, yeah, I start seeing that. I'm starting to get really nervous because that's very close then to just saying we're not going to have any mail service for like two weeks. But again, we're not there. We're not there, right? So... These are the type of things that, again, if somebody tells me this is happening somewhere else, let's say, you know, one of my friends and I was like a member check is, you know, you can look up the term, but it's someone who's going to be really honest, not really, but who's going to be honest with you. That's a member check um, and someone who's going to have authentic information. So my um, member checks out in Pennsylvania, I mean, if they started to say this is happening, you know, we're getting decreased postal delivery, it has changed, you know, some of these other things have changed, then I would, I would start to look at that on a scale of saying, okay, I'm Midwest, this could get to me, maybe this is starting to amplify, or this is just going to be defined as like the minimum best practice. So I've got to make arrangements for how that might impact me. Now, how might like mail delivery and stuff like that impact me and everybody else? I mean, we could mitigate that, but what is that going to mean then for other things? Like if it's UPS deliveries or things like that, are there essential things that I need to get ordered for the house or for my family um, right now? Because maybe, uh, you know, shipping is going to shut down for a period of time or it's going to become extremely delayed. So these are just things um, you'll be, you know, you'll be informed of. If you're getting very in tune with that with that network of face validity, so for me, and I also say from an anxiety standpoint, uh, face validity 
can, we'll do wonders for that, right? Because again, you're getting authentic information and not that you're, I mean, somebody could tell me something that was drastic that was going on. You know, let's say, you know, one of my friends said, our town went to a 7 p.m. curfew and now, you know, the police go around and all of that. And if they don't, you know, if you're not in a curfew, you're going to be fined. Nobody has told me that, but um, I'd be like, oh my goodness, you know, like that would be something, again, I would be really um, cognizant of how that was going to have a ripple effect on me if it worked its way here, because then of course it's going to mean there's less hours for stores. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, that would probably be, be the biggest thing is you, you're going to have fewer hours that things would be open. So you're going to have more people consolidated into a smaller time frame of trying to get their, their goods. So, you know, trying to get ahead of that, like I would, you, you try to get ahead of it. It's kind of like a weather forecast, right? I've got a friend in Ohio and every, every time we talk, it always kind of comes back to the weather. And he said, how's your weather today? Because in one day that will be his weather. Like what is that, what's happening here? You know, will will happen there. And that's always the thing. So if I say, you know, it's 55 and sunny, he's like, great tomorrow. That's what it'll be here. And that's really what you're doing through building up this, this network. Um, so, you know, we've, we've talked about that and I'm going to, um, go back to something I talked about at the start of the show when I was, was on Silver Lake beach, actually. So that's a beach in my town. I, um, when my kids were young, they used to, to go there. They loved it. Um, it was fun, fun times, but, uh, and in winter they put ice shanties out there. So people ice, ice fish. So it's, it's pretty neat stuff, but the velocity of information, so the two big takeaways from today, one is the face validity and, and how to actually go about doing that and sharing that information out. The other one, though, is velocity of information. When something just happens, it takes about 72 hours to get um, enough information out there where most of us can figure out, okay, this is fact and this is either uh, hyperbole, like it's exaggerated, or this is just incomplete, you know, um, so there's a lot of information, and, and but what happens is people always try to be first with information. It, it, it's like after, you know, something happens and then people already write the entire story of what it was, like 9-11. Well, you know, you, there needed to be much investigation that happened after that, much forensic to actually come out and say, here's, here's what happened. So that's something too. Um, you know, people jump way ahead and, and try to put all this information out there that they've already come to a conclusion. And, um, you know, that's, that's not it. We know what we know now. We know what we know a week into um, coronavirus, uh, you know, manifesting in, you know, more identified cases because we have more tests, right? So that just, that makes sense that when you'd have more tests. And at some point, right, it's, it's also um, just on the testing thing, like this whole drive-through testing and all of that, that probably won't make sense to do that at some point. Um, it's, you know, because that gets, that's a bottleneck and it's eating up a lot of resources and masks and stuff like that, that if you're going to be treating people, you really would want those resources in the hospital. So I think the whole drive-through thing was like an initial response to the, the, the event, the, the coronavirus event. Not a necessarily a bad response, I mean, but it was like the f a first response of maybe we can put up areas to screen and get an idea of, of how this this is playing out. But then there's other variables at play here of logistically that hasn't worked out in a lot of places. And like I showed the Walmart today, like if you did it there, it would shut down the entire parking lot. There's not an easy in and out of a flow of traffic and cars would sneak back for miles. It'd just be a mess. Um, and really, like, what value is th is that of you to to have these people checked? And probably a lot of people don't need to be checked, but they they kind of get in that panic mode. Well, I'd rather know, right? So you know, they get they get checked, and uh, it doesn't mean the next day they they don't interact with someone who is positive for the virus, and suddenly now they have it. So. It's not like you get tested once and everything's great, like it's good forever. I mean, that can change the moment you interact with somebody else or a surface that someone else with COVID 2019 interacted with. So I, I think that will just kind of fade. But um, part of that too is it's a face, 
it, it's um, not a face validity, but it's something um, customer perceived value. It's like when I was in front of the school and they had the bollards and they did the bollards up as Olaf and Olaf's wife, I guess. But um, that's customer perceived value. People want to see bollards. People want to see testing. They want to see something being done. Here's a testing center. Okay, people are being tested and, and all of that. So um, again, I don't think, I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's a conspiracy or it's, it's a bad approach. I just think it's an early approach and you learn through things like this. It's like an Apollo 13. This is a massive scale, right? It's it's massive to think about. I mean, worldwide, and then you know, three hundred thirty people in the United States, and how do you how do you pull all of this together, and um, you know, work with with your distribution systems, logistics, communications, all of that. So that is all starting to fall in line. And again, you know, kind of just saying yeah, this probably isn't the best way to test. But so that's where I go back to this velocity of information. We get inundated with information the first 72 hours after a significant um, either catastrophic sentinel event like we're in now. And what's different right now is like most of the events, a Mount St. Helens, a 9-11, things like that, they conclude, right? They have a short duration and then they're done. And then we have the after effects we're dealing with. This is more like a Chernobyl type of thing where, or a Three Mile Island, I guess, if you're thinking United States, but um, where it happens, but then you're thinking, we still have things we have to deal with, right? What's the radiation fallout going to be? What's what's the consequences of, of this exposure? And how is this going to manifest over the next weeks or months or a couple of years? That's kind of where this is this is at. And that's hard that's hard to deal with because we're still in chaos. Um, although we're back to some type of self-similarity, um, but we're still in this this kind of chaos. Um States. So this velocity of information, a lot of us have processed it. We've, we know terms now that we never really knew before, social distancing, you know, the quarantine, you know, the whole shelter in place, coronavirus, COVID 2019. So our vocabularies have changed. Our perceptions of things have changed. Um, and, you know, so that that is all changed the lens of how we see things like we already have some baseline information some things that we we work off of with this um and i think anything coming out now will just process it better because we've processed you know some of the big big things you know shutting down entire states like we've got we've got through that so in wrapping up here again use the face validity um check all right Either for yourself, you know, drive around a little bit. What's what's going on? Um, I think it's good to have a network of people in different parts of the country. It could be parts of the world, but at least parts of the country. Check with them. Um, and remember that the velocity of information, that first 72 hours, you just kind of need to get through that. And and once you're through, the, through that, more in, the information starts to clear up. It's like a, it's like a pond. And suddenly, if you throw a rock and you have all of these ripples, right, and the bottom, it get the mud kind of comes up and it gets murky. And but if you leave it alone for a little bit, like the ripples die down and, and kind of go away, and, and the sediment settles down to the bottom, and things start to get clear. And that's kind of where we're at. That's you know, that, that's happening right now. So again, uh, hey, check out my stuff. Uh, safetyphd.com. Here's my book, School of Airs, Rethinking School Safety in America. First chapter is how thinking about a bagel can get you through the worst day of your life. Also a chapter on transitioning into chaos. Talk about the, write, write about the Joplin, Missouri tornado, how they put together a system for that within a few minutes of that tornado hitting a website to get people aware of where assets were, people could, could get those things. Um, and, and, uh, safetyphd.com, you know, 123 podcasts, including this, and also a blog post. Uh, please subscribe here on YouTube. Um, give me a thumbs up. Um, also on Twitter at safetyphd, at safetyphd. So, hey, that is that is it, folks. Um, stay safe, and yeah, feel free to uh, post in the comments or um, you know, send me uh, any questions. Uh, my email is up on safetyphd.com. All right, take care, everybody.
So I had to call up Verizon and give them a little talking to. When disaster strikes, that's when your communication service can really become your lifeline. And it's a really great opportunity to jack the prices up on customers who really need it, especially firefighters. Like the other day, I had firefighter called to tell me about, so I tell this guy, look pal, I'm in California fighting a wildfire right now and the internet to the whole command center just got cut off. And we got the damn unlimited plan, so what's the deal? So the guy tells me he's in California fighting a wildfire. I tell the guy, look, I didn't cut your internet off. I throttled it. Oh, you throttled it. Well, you might as well have cut it off. You know, what I'm trying to say is the internet didn't work. You know, I called him in June with the same problem, and the guy told me he'd recategorize it so it'd really be unlimited. Oh yeah, I remember I told him I recategorized it. Yeah, that's not even a real thing. So I tell him to sign up for the all-you-can-eat super unlimited data plan. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. A must-read for parents, teachers, and taxpayers. Dr. David Perodin has written the most honest book about the $3 billion school safety industrial complex. Attorney James Sibley proclaims, A brave demonstration of speaking truth to power. School of Errors rips the lid off the billion-dollar school safety industry. Using real-world examples of successful responses in desperate situations, David contrasts the expensive window dressings pitched to panic parents with the inexpensive and effective approaches proven to actually work. Read this book before you let your school waste another precious dollar on meaningless safety theater. Buy the international bestseller, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America, now at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. gives you lemons don't make lemonade make life take the lemons back get mad i don't want your damn lemons i want spider-man what are those i don't know what they're called there's limes and those other ones they're yellow they're not limes they're like limes but they're yellow what are they i don't know i don't know what they are i'm not I don't speak English very well, and I'm making this a video game. This has been game. the Safety Doc Podcast. Uh, just call them yellow author, limes. Radio show host and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perogan. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perogan on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.